All right, go ahead and be seated. Tell somebody, lift him up. Oh, 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 oh. And uh, our youth can be dismissed. We have youth ministry today. Youth can be dismissed. I want Judy to come up for just a minute, share about her husband's been uh, in the hospital, fell and broke his hip. The Lord's been uh, working on him, and so share with us, and then we'll pray for him too. Um, we thought we thought he had broke his whole hip, but it just partially his hip. Um, just give me a minute. I'm so tired, going back and forth. Um, he went to the hospital and uh, about two weeks ago and had his surgery. And he was in recovery a long time, only because his blood pressure had gone up to 200. So they wanted to keep him there. So we waited and we waited. Finally, they brought him back down to his room and the nurse says, Judy, tell him you're here. I said, honey, I'm here, I'm here. And he looked at me and said, okay. And he shut his eyes again. So the nurse said, Rudy, Rudy, what is your name? He says, Jose. <laughs> the nurse started laughing. She said, uh-uh, there's no Jose on my floor. <laughs> so, and then Wednesday night, last Wednesday, we got a scare. He wouldn't open up his eyes. Um, for two or four hours, he wouldn't open his eyes. And I thought he was passing away. He wouldn't open. Do you want us to call 911? Yes. They came. Through all of that, he still didn't open his eyes. They took all kinds of tests. Finally, all of a sudden, he just woke up and says, where am I? I said, you're at Methodist. Oh, okay. But we found out that he was being over-medicated with this narcotic because my husband doesn't take narcotics. So they said, let's try him on Tylenol, and that's doing better because when I went, he wasn't asleep. He was sitting up talking to me because usually he sleeps, but he was up talking all the time I was there. And the Lord is really watching over my husband. He, it's not his time to go. Um, I told Pastor I need some extra boost from the Lord, not the monster drink, but from him. I don't need that other stuff. And also, the Lord is protecting me from some evil influences on the outside that have tried to destroy me, but they didn't win because the Lord was my protector. He, was, he takes care of me, and I don't have to worry about the outside. So he's coming along. He walks down like a hallway and a half, and I just want him back home. Amen. Let's pray for you. Yeah, you stay up here. Let's pray for you. You uh, extend your right arm out, and let's pray for uh, Rudy and G. Lord, we thank you. Rudy in your prayers. Well, um, grab your Bibles and open with me in two places, if you would. Open to um, Philippians chapter 2, and then open to first or open to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. If I said first Colossians, you should correct me, right? There's no other, that's an odd book in the Bible. So Philippians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 1. Let me open with Colossians 1. 
127 today, Colossians 127, and it says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What's the mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. What was the plan all along with Jesus being a sacrifice? It wasn't just to have Jesus sacrifice his life and to die, resurrect, and go to heaven. No, it was to have him living on the inside of you. It was to have the Holy Spirit in your life, leading and guiding and teaching you. And then as we're going to look today, when he begins to do that, he also corrects the way that we think. You know, there used to be a Christian t-shirt years ago, and it said, I have to fix my stinking thinking. (laughs) So remember, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But we'll look today, in fact, Philippians chapter 2, if you're there, let me read these first uh, few verses that we'll look at today. Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 16. Listen to these words that the Apostle Paul writes. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining or disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. The Apostle Paul started with this saying, let this mind be in you. Notice what it says, that was also in who? Christ Jesus. So Lord, we pray today, and Lord, as we often pray, even in our mornings, that we submit to you spirit, soul, and body to tune in to what your Holy Spirit would be saying to us today. Christ in us, the hope of glory having that uh, hope of glory rise up into our minds, changing the way that we think. Like Peter even said when Jesus said, do you want to go too? He said, where where am I going to go? You have spoken the words of life. 
Allow those words of life to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You know, um, I don't consider myself the best carpenter, the best mechanic. Uh, you've heard the phrase before, right? I, I can almost tinker with every little thing, but I'm master of nothing. I'm a good tinkerer. I can look up videos. I've had some people in my life that know a thing or two. And so several years ago, I ended up buying a 2000 uh, your Jeep Grand Cherokee, and this guy was giving me a great deal on it until he said, you know, it needs a heater core. And I said, now where's the heater core? Um, he says, behind the dash. Well, the heater core not only gives you heat in your vehicle, there's several things it also does with, with coolant and everything. And um, he says, I've got the parts in the back of the Jeep, and he says, you know, I was actually going to put it in on a weekend. I looked it up. It only takes about four hours. <laughs> right? That's not bad at all. Four hours for the price you're giving me. So I remember getting home, looking at the parts. In fact, I wanted to put up, a, there's a picture up here of um, what you need to do to get to the heater core. Well, maybe it didn't come up. All right. You have to take the whole dash apart. So I remember looking at that and thought, I know I can get the dash apart. I'll never get it back in one piece. Every little plastic goodie came out. You had to take like, the steering wheel off. Uh, and I thought, that concerned me. I thought, I'll ruin this vehicle because I can tinker and fix a few things, but I can't do that. So then I called a mechanic friend, uh, and he says, hey, I can give you the best deal I can give you because I've known you for years is $1,000 to fix it. I thought, you know, I'm in Southern California. Who needs a heater in their car? When do you turn the thing on? Once or twice? Let me tell you, it can get cold in that car in the morning. And it had leather seats that the heater in the seat stopped working. It got cold in the, those seats. Then one morning, I remember I was taking my son to school, and he, he's like, Dad, your mats are like sopping wet. Did you leave a window down in the rain? And I remember getting out and checking, and I smelled it. It was antifreeze. So because there was no heater core. I think somebody had turned on the heater and it ended up outflowing into my car, antifreeze in the car. So sometimes we think that I really don't need a heater core because I'm getting this great, amazing deal. Let me tell you, the inside does affect the outside. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. But that wasn't a period at the end because that's where you stop. Christ in you is where you begin today. You're just starting. It's the, it's the little child that figures out how to roll over. Then they figure out how to crawl. And then they rise with a look in their eyes to conquer everything in the room to grab. Well, there's a progression, isn't there? And they begin to move and move and move and go on and go on and go on. Well, Christ in us doesn't just stop there. There's a progression that, be, that begins. And so the Apostle Paul starts off with saying these words in verse 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So he's asking you today to check your mindset. Check the way that you think. And I want to read uh, verse 5 out of a few translations today. So the first one I want to read out is the New Century Version. 
uh, and it says this, Philippians 2.5, in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Isn't that a good one? In your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Thinking, thoughts, act, actions. We can all think of times where we thought and it wasn't anything to do with Jesus. In our actions, didn't have anything to do with Jesus. But he's saying you must think and act like Christ. New Living Translation says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Wow, look at your neighbor and say, you need to adjust your attitude. <laughs> you need, and if they looked at you with a scowl, say it again. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus did. Oh, how we need to go through Jesus' life and look how he interacted with so many different characters because we sure deal with a lot of characters in our life. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. The Passion Translation says it this way. And consider the example of Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us, let his mindset become your motivation. Let his mindset become your motivation. Be motivated by what you see and hear Jesus say in the scriptures because you're changing the way that you think. And then the last one, the, um, the uh, contemporary English version says this, and think the same way that Jesus Christ thought. Boy, we're told to do this in the scripture. Bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Catch those thoughts before you say it. You ever done that more? It's not shoot, ready, aim, right? It's ready, aim, shoot. But too many times we shoot. Oh, capture those thoughts. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now, there's an interesting part that I wanted to pull out in verse 12 because I hear people refer to this often. They'll say, well, you know, I'm just going to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit and look at what Paul was saying because as he goes through about having the mind of Christ, he begins to first talk to us about what Jesus did. He became obedient. He was even obedient to the point of death. And then even the worst part of death, death on the cross. So what type of mindset do you have going into something where you know going into it, you're only living to die, to be a sacrifice? Your whole existence going to earth is to be sacrificed. You know, we, uh, at a, our district conference a couple weeks ago, there was a gentleman that spoke. His name was Morris Dirks, and he he communicated about Jesus in such a great way that I think we forget about. He said, you know, you need to remember that Jesus was born through a woman, just like you were born. Think of Jesus being born, and he has to be wiped clean from all of the birthing process. He has to be cleaned up. 
he's then put in swaddling clothes that the Bible says, or Jesus is now put in a diaper. Jesus uses diapers. Jesus is in a dirty manger. As Jesus grows up like most little kids do, little baby Jesus is getting food all over his face. He's growing up just like one of us. He's growing up and probably has fallen down at one point or two in whatever playground they had at that time. He probably had kids that didn't want to play with him on the playground because he became obedient to come in our shoes and to come through the entire process. But don't forget where he came from. He's a king. And yet he gave up all of those powers that he had to be just like us and to walk in our shoes and to live in our life. But he had a different mindset of living. And he would even be obedient, though they rejected him to die. So when Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Greek word work out is the word work on it to finish. Work on it to finish. Because I hear people say, you know, I don't go to church. There's just no need to go to church. I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, no, no, don't forsake the assembling together. There's something about us coming together. Rubbing shoulders, looking eye to eye, hug one another, be with one another, fellowship with one another. The Apostle Paul says, no, no, don't forsake those times and don't just use, well, I'm working it out, right? No, no, no. It's, the Greek word is work on it till you finish. When are you going to finish? Are you going to finish it? No, you're going to keep on going until God takes you home. You're going to work on it and work on it. In fact, tell your neighbor, I know you're a work in progress. Tell them, <laughs> I know you're a work in progress. Some of you looked a little too excited to say that to somebody this morning. <laughs> we're all a work in progress, but we're going to work on it until we finish because our minds are being renewed. It's interesting that God gives us the power to choose. You have the power to choose. In fact, we're told in the Old Testament that we're told what to choose, but he sets before you life and death blessing or cursing, and God says, here's what I want you to do. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. Choose life. But he's given us the power to choose. The Apostle Paul is saying, work on this life, this mindset, this Christian life. Work on it till the finish. You know, we've all had this before. We've gone to a friend's house, and they're telling us about this patio that they're going to add on. And then you don't go back there for six months and then they walk in the backyard and they show you the patio that they're going to build that they never get to. And then it's year five and there's one board up. Oh, I'm working on this patio. And then they don't work on it. They don't work on it. And then you tell them one day, I'm tired of hearing about the patio. It's invisible, right? It's never going to happen. Work on yourself. And you know what you're working on? You're not just working on something empty. You're working on something that God saw of such high value that he would send his son to take your place. So work on this mind, this heart, this life until the finish. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. You know what the best sporting games are? It's when it's down to the last few minutes and the team doesn't give up. Those are always the best games. Right? We love those. We don't love the blowouts. We want it down to the last few minutes. We'll keep working, keep working, keep working on it. 
If you messed up this morning and you yelled at all of your family in the car and you came through the door smiling, work on it, right? <laughs> work on it. Allow him to do a work in you. In fact, Proverbs 28, 14 says, How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Blessed is the man that fears always. That's not referring to a fear or a phobia. It's referring to the fear of the Lord. Blessed is the man and woman that fears the Lord in their life, that works on their life with fear and trembling because they do it under God, under God's eyes, pleasing the Lord. Now notice what it says um, later here in this verse. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. His work within you is to do, is both to do and will his good pleasure through you. Now here's one of the things that um, the Philippian church was going through. Paul is writing this to them. He's not presently there. But what he found out was there were slipping in the things that he taught them because he wasn't physically there. So he's now telling them, no, 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 it's not, don't just follow Jesus because I'm there, follow Jesus. If you're the last one following him, follow him. Don't follow him because I'm there, follow him because you love him. In fact, the Apostle Paul uh, mentions, uh, in fact, let me read a few things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. And he says this, set your minds on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life was hidden in Christ Jesus. Set your minds on the things above. Or as we would back up and look in Philippians, don't not serve Jesus because I'm not here. Serve Jesus to serve Jesus. In fact, he goes on in that last verse, because evidently they must have been complaining, disputing, uh, being harmful to people. And that's why he says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in a crook, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom, and here's what he's telling them to do, you shine as lights to the world, holding fast to that word of life. Because when our minds are changed and it's becoming the mind of Christ, we're going to do less complaining and arguing. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do more shining. We're going to grab a hold of more words of life. Back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, the New Century Version, I want to read that. It says this, The only thing the Apostle Paul says that concerns me, be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. Then whether I come and visit you or I'm away from you, I will hear that you are standing strong with one purpose, that you work together as one for the faith of the good news. Notice what he says, be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to who? Honor to God. You know, I was 17 years old. I was in college, because I hadn't turned 18 yet, playing football. And the guys in the locker room before practices and games would always listen to heavy metal music. And they'd have it thumping. And that was kind of what amped everybody up for practice, amped everybody up for games. 
And I was really, I was never one that bought, back then, cassette tapes. I didn't have all of these different groups. And these guys would play some heavy and hard things to get themselves ready to go. So I remember being Sunday night at church. And I was going to, you know, after church, I was going to drive back to, to campus to stay. It's Sunday night, had a good service. And I get in my little VW Rabbit. And I turn on the radio, and there was a song, and the song title was Running with the Devil. So I had a choice, right? I'm 17 years old. What should I have done? Turn that thing off. Right? I'm not running with the devil. I just came out of church. Well, I turned it up, and I rolled the windows down, and I'm driving out of church, Valley Community Church, and I can still remember it as it happened today if I close my eyes. And I'm driving by, and there's the kitchen, and there's the hallway, and that beat is going, and some of you are shaking your head, and I rebuke, no, 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 you remember that. And that one line of the lyric, running with the devil, comes out, and for some reason when I turn to look, there's my mother. And she's got her eyes are looking at, she probably thought her demon-possessed son, right? Let me tell you, that radio went right off. Doop. Right? And I remember pulling out, this is before cell phones, I remember getting to our, our room, and I thought for sure that phone was going to ring. I thought for sure that phone was going to ring. I thought, you know what, no, I know what she's doing. She's going to wait till 2 a.m. You know, and I remember probably not sleeping that whole night because I was in fear for my mother because she was going to tell me who to run after and who to run away from. But I hadn't grown yet to the place where I could tune that out. But what I had done is I had tuned in. And I had tuned in so severe that even after a service, you know, and it's one thing to have that in, but it's another thing to roll your windows down and to crank that baby up and to go out. And isn't it like the Lord? It would have been one thing to have my pastor probably get me, but it's another thing to have your own mother that has the laser look, right? Uh, that's why I think the Apostle Paul says in those things, be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. Then he says, then whether I come or where I visit, um, I'll hear that you're standing strong with one purpose. In fact, I think one of the things what, that Paul was trying to teach them was, be bold about the presence of God. Don't be weak about it. Be bold about the presence of God. Don't just let it be bold because I'm with you and you felt good. Be bold because of Jesus. Get your eye. I think Paul would say, get your eyes off of me and get your eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Though the through the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. You know what God sees? That's what we have to look at. He sees us connected in with him. He sees those things that you don't even see today. See, we don't live by feelings. If we live by feelings, we change every morning. We live by the foundation of God's word. 
You know the scripture on our back wall, Hebrews 13, 8, that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you glad God didn't change his mind today about salvation? You know, let's make a change today. They all got to go on the cross from here on out. He didn't change his mind, did he? He doesn't change that way. So we don't live by feelings. If I live by feelings, I'm up and down. We live by a foundation of God's promises. And we allow those promises to change the way that we think. Look at the circumstance, but go back and find out the way that Jesus thinks. You know, I talked about Jesus becoming a, a little child and coming alongside uh, just us. You know, he did something at 12 years old that was amazing for us to look at. A 12-year-old is in the temple, and he's both listening and answering questions to the religious leaders. His heart already was hungering and thirsting for his father and for his word. Even at 12 years of age, he'd not done any miracle. He'd not done uh, any sign or wonder. He didn't feed all the kids at snack time at school. There was no miracle done until after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. But what did he do before that? He was hungering and he was thirsting for God's word. He was both asking and answering questions and they were amazed. In fact, Jesus said in John 8, 29... And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. Wait, think about that with Jesus for a minute. He's now on earth. He doesn't get teleported back up to heaven for nighttime. He's living amongst us. He's sleeping in the places with those disciples one of them said, whatever night it was, they didn't have a place to sleep, and so they used a rock as a pillow as they moved around. But here's what he said in that scripture. He says, the one that sent me, he's with me. Can I tell you today, he is with you. You might be looking around to find out where is he. Let me tell you that he's with you. In fact, Jesus goes on, and he says, the Father hasn't left me alone for I always do the things that please him. What was the first thing that God said when Jesus was baptized? What did they hear? This is my son, my, my only begotten son, in whom I am well pleased. Well, how did it please the Father? It pleased the Father what Jesus was doing, but it pleased Jesus because he knew God was with him. And when God is with you, Paul says this, let your mind be like Christ Jesus. When I have a different thought, I go back to the foundation of his word. So I go in to find out what he said about it. I go back and find out, oh, okay, here is what he said. Let me change the way that, because the way that I'm thinking is contrary to his. I want to get back and think the way that he thinks. Yes, many times it looks so impossible. But that's why it's God, and he's walking this life with you. You're not alone. I love that verse where Jesus said, he's with me. So, Father, we come today reminding ourselves that Christ is in us, that our minds are being renewed, that we're to have the mind of Christ. Lord, even that one verse, 
that we consider the example of Jesus, the anointed one, that has set before this, let that mindset become our motivation. So Father, I stop and I pray today, Lord, that we would run back to you in the way that we think. That is, as we've allowed Christ Jesus to change our hearts, allow him to rise up and change the way that we think. Let our eyes get back in your scripture. And as we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, Jesus said, we'll be filled. When we're filled and full, our perspective will change because we fear the Lord. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart. In fact, I, I want to pray that prayer, and I'd like all of us to repeat these words after me. Ready? Dear God, Dear God I, believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that he lived, and that he died for me, but he rose again. I accept him as the Lord of my life, my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. And thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that today,